Welcome back to the Mini Hoops Podcast. Uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking a little quick draft stuff, a little draft previews, some trades that went down in the league, some trade thoughts, and some of our favorite prospects. Uh, but first, I want to say a quick congratulations to the Bucks for winning the finals. Um, but I also want to give congratulations to the Suns that worked hard and proved, pretty much proved everyone wrong this year. Um, so my quick question uh, leading into this Bucks thing uh, where do you guys think that Giannis ranks among the best power forwards of all time after his title and the finals MVP? Uh, I'm not entirely sure of the exact place I would put him on the list, but looking at guys like Dirk and KG, um, I'm not saying he's better than those guys, but I think he has entered that conversation. Uh, he's only been in the league for however many years now, and obviously Dirk and Kevin Garnett have were in the league for like 20 years each. Um, so it's hard to compare them career-wise. But in terms of accolades, I mean, Giannis is like a five-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. And now with a ring and a Finals MVP, I think he's, um, he's fully entrenched, in, entrenched himself in, uh, in the conversation of being in that like two to four range behind Carl Malone probably and Tim Duncan. So I think he's I think he's there. So I guess I should say three to like five is anywhere um anywhere in that portion of the list, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think he definitely has like the accolades you need to be considered one of the greatest, you know, players at your position or whatever greatest player of all time. But it, like yeah, I think all he needs now is just to play like another, you know, eight seasons or something. Put up pretty good numbers, and uh, I think that will put him in as one of the best players at his position. Exactly. Yeah, I kind of go with the same thing, guys. He's so young, plus he already has these accolades that pretty much like just puts him right behind those dudes like Dirk, KG, and Tim Duncan. Um, I definitely think if he just keeps playing for like a couple years and State keeps doing his uh playing at this insane level that he's doing, that he definitely could even be the best rank or best power forward of all time. I agree. Absolutely. Um, shifting to uh, recent news and rumors and off season stuff, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans made a trade, which sent Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, number 10 overall, number 40 overall in this draft and a 2022 first-round pick from the Lakers to Memphis. And uh, Jonas Valanciunas, number 17 and number 50 in this draft to the Pelicans. Um, in general, I think this is really beneficial for both sides. Um, New Orleans clears up a lot of cap space, which is going to be super helpful for them when they try and either re-sign Lonzo or go after Kyle Lowry or you know whatever other moves they decide to make um memphis gets a center pass this year um nobody knows if valentunas was going to stay or resign after this year so they at least have steven adams for this year and next year um and eric bledsoe probably uh won't be on the team as they're looking to trade him uh and they get another uh they get a higher pick and another additional pick in 2022 so i think overall super uh beneficial for both sides I agree, but I also disagree, Gabe. 
Um, I think that Memphis, I don't know if I, I would have made this trade. You're really downgrading on tr- the center position when you're trading Valanciunas, who's so well-rounded and can shoot the ball when it, com- um, when it comes to good play or bad basketball because he was like the leading option at some points for the Grizzlies at some point in the in the last year. And then with Steven Adams, I've heard he tried to work on his range but, you know, when players do that, it's most likely not successful. And Steven Adams, he's an ugly-ass jumper in the first place. But, I mean, I can see it's beneficial to both sides where the Pelicans relieve so much cap space. Now they, have the, now they actually have the chance to match a contract for Lonzo Ball or go after Kyle Lowry. But I've also heard that they might not even uh, let – they might even let Lonzo Ball go because they maybe don't see him in his future in – in, in his, like, the future plans because it's just interesting to talk about when it comes to Lonzo ball, in my opinion, uh, you know, you're, if you're going to be paying them like 25 or almost like the max, basically 25 plus million, do you really pay Lonzo ball that? Yes. He's a good defender, but is he reliable as a shooter? Uh, yeah. First of all, I, I agree. Like there's no doubt that, uh, Valanchunas is the best player involved in this trade, uh, without question. Um, I just think that uh, the Grizzlies must have been hesitant knowing that his contract is up after this year. And if he were to walk and they don't have anybody at the center position, they have Jaron Jackson, but he can't stay on the court. And is he, a, is he really a five? I don't know. He's probably more of a four. And you He's know, definitely position, a four. Yeah, and position only matters if you can stay on the court. So I think they just tried to get a guy like I think Steven Adams and Valanchunas are pretty I won't say pretty similar but they're they're similar to some extent in their play style kind of you know just really big centers that can uh, hold their own on defense um, aren't spectacular offensively Valanchunas is much much better don't get me wrong but uh, he's not like a you know way 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 better and like a offensive star or anything um, and I also think this signals that Memphis wants to do something else in the draft. I mean, they get 10 and they get 40 and another first-round pick. Um, I'd, I'd expect them to, uh, to package any combination of those picks to move up or to acquire some other player, whether that be who's in this draft after the draft or some other player who's you know currently on a roster. Um, so I agree that, that Valanciunas is... Uh, swapping Adams for Valanciunas is definitely a downgrade for Memphis, but I think um, the combination of them wanting to uh, make other moves and the fact that Valanciunas might not stay in Memphis after this year was um, the motivation behind this trade. Uh, in in terms of Lonzo, I'm a big fan of Lonzo. Um, he fits anywhere he goes. Uh, he shoots it at like 40%. Uh, or I don't know, it's like 37, 40%, something like that. He brings defense, he brings length, he can guard both guard positions, um, he can do it all. And I would have, I'd have no problem, frankly, paying him about 20 million. I think you start to get to like 23, 25, that gets to be too much. But um, yeah, I think like the 18 to 20 range, I would be, I would be happy with. Yeah, I think a team's going to give him the max, and I just don't, if I'm the Pelicans, I don't match that. If the team gives them the max, but yeah, 
I think it, their their uh, cap situation gets really difficult if they add that in there. But um, they they at least have that option now that they mm-hmm. cleared up. What was it? it was, I think it was like thirty two million this upcoming season between Adams and Bledsoe. They, yeah, they, they at least had twenty five million. So now it's yeah, you know probably like seventeen or so that they've freed up. Um, they they at least have twenty five million. Right. Yeah, they have a lot of money, but Ingram's on the max for a while. Zion will be on the max in no time. So they uh and if you add in Lonzo in there for another three, four years, that's uh that's a lot of money wrapped up there. And a team that's not very good. So gets gets really complex there. That's interesting. Like the like the fact that, you know, when they acquired Steve Nams last year, um, I definitely thought they'd be a better defensive defensive team. But really, they were super underwhelming. You know? Look, Steven Adams is known to be a decent defender, but he really didn't really show it to me last year on the, when he was on the Pelicans. But. Yeah, yeah. Having, having watched Steven Adams play a lot in Oklahoma City, uh, I watched him as long as Russell Westbrook played with him. And uh, he, he's always been underwhelming for me. Um, he's not I – mean, he doesn't block shots. He doesn't score. He doesn't shoot, obviously. He's just he's just big. That's essentially all he is, is he's just big. And he takes up a lot of space. And he's he's a smart player, you know. He's high IQ, so he's not necessarily a liability anywhere. He's unselfish, but he's just really not flashy. And he really, like I said, he doesn't block shots, so he's not really a rim protector. He's just big on defense. And that's not super valuable. I mean, it is to some extent, but you need some rim protection as well. And um, he just doesn't provide that from the center position. Yeah, I really think Valanciunas is going to have a bigger role on this Pelicans team or just have a better fit with this Pelicans team because they need to space the floor more out with Zion clogging the paint pretty much. Um, but I also, the fact, the only reason I like for Memphis partly, partially is that they can take the Eric Bledsoe in that 10th pick or even maybe just ship off blood so somewhere, get another asset, and then use the asset to move up into the draft. And I want them to target like a Moses Moody or something because I feel like that'd be fit their team perfectly. Um, but yeah, it's just an interesting trade. I can't really say if I like it or not. Like I, I have to let it pan out the rest of the, for the rest of this year. Yeah, I think something to watch too is New Orleans. New Orleans. This kind of signals that they're not cleaning house, but they're willing to part with many pieces. They gave up the first-round pick. They gave up Adams, Bledsoe, second-round pick this year, the first-round pick. Obviously, they got back picks, but they're they're moving things around, so I wouldn't be surprised if they, they flip Valanchunas again and try and get either more draft capital or a younger player or something like that. So I'd be, uh, I'd be interested to see if he actually stays on the team. He'd, he would absolutely be an upgrade like, like we've talked about over Adams or whoever's been playing center, but they also have Jackson Hayes too, who's kind of just sitting there collecting dust. Got into legal trouble. Yeah, I saw that today. But, you know, you wonder if, you know, if he's on the floor after his legal stuff, you know, maybe he, mm-hmm. if he's still able to play. Be interested to see if they play him some more. Yeah. The last little tidbit of this, like this on the New Orleans side, is this is Zion's third year in the league, and that's his third new coach he's had. <laughs> Um, it just, I don't know. They got to figure something out if they, with the core with Zion or he's maybe even wants out, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be a crazy situation. New Orleans was definitely probably my most uh, disappointing team last year. I, I had not not high expectations for them, but I, I certainly expected a lot more from them, and they are really disappointed. And I think a lot of that had to do with Stan Van Gundy, but uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's another conversation for another day. But well, Moving on uh, from that quick little <laughs> rant that we both went on there, uh, let's talk about the NBA draft. So there's been more talk that the Pistons potentially moving over one. Um, personally, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're just using a smokescreen like we talked about in other podcasts. But it's told that there's been a plenty of teams that really, really want Kate Cunningham, uh, like the Rockets and the Thunder. Yeah, I think uh, I'm with you. That I don't really think this is legit. Um, we hear this every year about teams potentially wanting to move the number one pick or potentially not being sold on number one guy like Anthony Edwards last year and Cade this year. I think they're just seeing if they can, you know, somehow encourage a team to give them some crazy offer. Um, so I don't, I don't expect them to move it. Yeah, same. I, I think the Pistons' best move is definitely just to take Cade and then develop them, see what happens. Yeah, another thing I'm not buying is saying that OKC offered six in Shea. I don't buy that for anything. I feel like it's just some random Detroit people trying to boost up better trade offers. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't really believe that either. You don't trade Shea Gilds Alexander in the sixth pick for the first pick when Cade's not proven yet. But I, he has all that potential, but he's not proven yet, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of picks and trades, uh, I saw a potential Cavs and Magic trade where Kevin Love would go to Orlando along with the mm-hmm. number three overall pick and Gary Harris, number five and number eight, would go to Cleveland. Um, kind of uh, not super exciting players. I'd feel really bad for Kevin Love to get sent to Orlando and just kind of ride out the rest of his horrible contract there. Maybe they'd buy him out. I don't know. I bet they buy him out. They try to flip him, yeah. But, you know, the Cavs have been trying to trade him for years, literal years, and haven't been able to do anything. So I wonder if I kind of doubt the Magic would have any better luck, but who knows. Um, But I just think this is interesting. Cleveland kind of goes all in. um, Or not all in, but they they move back and they accumulate more um, assets, and Orlando kind of goes all in on this draft and takes a guy like I guess Green or uh Mobley. Uh so yeah, I think this is a super uh interesting idea. I don't know if it's real or realistic, but uh interesting for sure. Uh yeah, it's it's interesting. Um yeah, like I said moving that Kevin moving Kevin Love, you have to attach a big asset to it and getting that return of five and eight with Gary Harris. Garris is kind of a feeling player, but five and eight's a good, pretty good deal in my opinion, just to move down and to get rid of that Kevin Love contract. Um, but yeah, transitioning from that, uh, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, <laughs> they've been pretty much offered to every team, uh, and pretty much every team said no. Uh, what do you guys? Think, what do you guys think about that? I think. I think I mean I'm not a huge Kuzma supporter, but I I do think he gets a little too much hate. Um, I mean, <laughs> if you hate him as a person, I guess that's not my place. <laughs> but like on the court, I don't think he's that 
bad of a player. I mean, he won a championship. It's not like he was, you know, a top player on that team or anything. But I think he's a little bit overhated. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I stand on Kuz. I mean, I don't love him, but I definitely don't hate him as much as some other people do. Uh, yeah, I think the Lakers. I mean, I think their best move is to definitely uh, get rid of him. I don't know if like maybe he could find or unlock some sort of uh extra abilities on another team maybe but i feel like just right now his role in the lakers is not you know it's not what they're looking for right now same with i guess kcp is kind of what they need right now but he's kind of on a big contract so he's kind of taking a broom so i can understand why the lakers are trying to move both of them but i don't if they do move them i don't really see they're not going to get a lot in return so it's kind of just they kind of have to dump them to get other players that are going to help them right now. Yeah, I'm just interested to see like, with tomorrow being the draft if somehow they actually get a team to buy, but with those two, um, my opinion is they might have to throw on like that pick they have. I can't remember what pick they have. It's somewhere high, if you like, but they're going to have to attach that pick, that first round they have this year to move those two or move one of them. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Uh, we've heard rumors of like Kuzma in number twenty-two, uh, for number thirteen, and some other salary filler, um, with the deal to the Pacers, which I think is it's kind of an interesting fit. Uh, Kuzma and the Pacers, I think Carlisle and their player development over there could could definitely get the most out of Kuzma. Um, so yeah, I think he could be a good like two-way player for them, who's got mm-hmm. potential and he's still relatively young. And I mean, his contract is. I mean, just in general, it's it's kind of big. Not compared it's 13, to, 13 million for next year. It because the right. contract extension adds on. Right. Yeah. So it's not it's not a massive contract. It's not like a liability or anything. But um, it's it's significant. I guess any player who gets thirteen million is, is making a good amount of money. So mm-hmm. it's not that bad of a contract. I mean, thirteen million for a good a decent score, I'd say, and good good bench player at least isn't too bad. Right. And if Andy moves on from Miles Turner or, or even Brogdon too, mm-hmm. there's going to be, there's going to be a uh, room there for, for other players. So, uh, shifting to the Warriors, um, they are definitely the team that I'm keeping an, keeping an eye on in the next like 48, 72 hours, uh, to just see what they do with the draft. Uh, we all know that they have seven and 14, two picks in the lottery. And I don't expect them to keep both of them. Um, now is the time for them to double down and get players who can help them immediately. Uh, they might be able to do that at seven and fourteen with guys like Davion Mitchell or Chris Duarte, who are more experienced in like juniors, seniors in college, and are are experienced. But I I just have to think that you you have to make a deal to uh to get somebody it doesn't have to be a big one like simmons or beal or dame but it just makes so much sense to to package it for for immediate impact players yeah i for sure uh i definitely think their best move is to get you know someone who's gonna contribute right away like you said and i don't think they need to draft two more rookies after you know wiseman kind of underperformed last year i guess he was hurt so couldn't really see what but you know whatever they need someone now 
Exactly. I think that throughout this whole draft, the Warriors are the most intriguing team to me. Having seven and fourteen, I think that they're going to make a move, move tomorrow, and or these next 48, 72 hours. Um, I just expect them. Like you have it's the Warriors. They have to. They don't need two rookies to come in. They need an established player if they want to win a championship. My thing is, if they do not trade both these picks, I could see them moving up to even four if they package seven and Wiseman to the Toronto Raptors. What do you guys think about that? I think that's super possible. Um, Wiseman underperformed for, for one reason or another. Like you said, uh, Alex, he I was hurt. hurt. Yeah. So that's, you know, not, it shouldn't necessarily be held against him, injury. But um, it, I think this year just proved that he is kind of a project, right? He's not a mm-hmm. guy who's going to impact the game right now. He's not going to be a, a pillar of their team going forth in the next like year or two. And they need someone who can be that. And um, so I think it makes sense to kind of see if you can find that uh, by trading Wiseman and, and these picks that they have. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it'd probably be best to, to move on for them to contend for a title in the coming years, like the next year or two. Well, going back to just talking about, we've been talking about the draft for a couple minutes now. We want to shift in some of our favorite players. Uh, Stein, I'm going to start with you. What are your favorite players in this upcoming draft? All right, yeah. So, since the Wolves don't really have a pick this year, well, I guess we could trade up, but we don't officially have a pick right now. Uh, I just decided to pick a few of the players I liked in college, and I'm just going to like talk about uh, why I like them and I'm interested to see how they do next year. Uh, my first one uh, is James Booknight. Uh, he should go pretty high in the draft. Um, he was a great scorer. Uh, he's somewhat inconsistent shooter, uh, but that can probably be fixed. He's athletic and can make uh, pretty crazy acrobat- acrobatic layups. He had some weird, crazy and ones throughout the season. Uh, he's not really the best playmaker uh, as a guard, but I, I don't know. I think he should be fine. Um, I saw some uh, comparisons to like CJ McCollum. Which I think is a pretty good comparison, and uh, he's supposed to go like you know in the top ten. Uh, I've been seeing OKC at like six is one of the options, so that'd be a pretty. I think that'd be a pretty good uh, like team, or he'd be a good teammate for Shea uh, on the Thunder next year. Uh, another one of my favorite players was Cam Thomas from LSU. Uh, he's really good at scoring. Uh, I think he was like third in the nation or something with like 23 or 24 points per game. Uh, but that's pretty much his only, uh, like ability right now. Uh, he's not really good defensively, not really good at passing. Um, but I do think, uh, he could take like a really good six man role for, you know, maybe like a playoff team or something in the late first round. Uh, I think he can kind of be like Lou Williams where he just comes in, takes a bunch of shots, and uh, he can score a ton of points doing that. Um, another one of my favorite players uh, was Io Desumnu from Illinois. Uh, he has great size for 
uh, being a point guard or shooting guard. Um, I think he's like 6'5 or 6'6, six, six, which definitely helps him. Uh, he's really good in transition, uh, both at finishing and also at finding his teammates. So he's not like a super, or he's he's an unselfish player, I would say. Uh, he can be pretty aggressive on defense, which I think will translate pretty well to the league. Um, he's not, he doesn't have the best jump shot right now. It's not very fluid. Um, and he can struggle with turnovers, but I think both of these can be fixable in the NBA. Uh, I see him kind of similar to what uh, regular season Reggie Jackson was. And Reggie Jackson kind of went off in the playoffs. He turned into like prime Michael Jordan for some reason. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think Io could be like a similar to you know Reggie, just a solid point guard. Um, but if he does develop his defense, I think he could turn into Drew Holiday, where he's like really aggressive and he makes plays um, on both sides of the ball. He's also going to go like in the you know late first or early second. Uh, and my last player I want to talk about is Nashawn Highland, uh, nicknamed Bones, which is that's pretty cool right there. Uh, he's another great scorer and also one of the nation's top scorers. Uh, he shoots really well, both from spot up and off the dribble. Uh, he shot 40% from three in his two years in college, which is really good. Uh, he can also make plays for his teammates pretty well and should be a solid point guard off the bench for a team. Uh, I kind of see him as like Emmanuel Quickly or maybe Cameron Payne type of role and should also be like late rounder or late first round or early second. Uh, do you guys have any players you're looking at your guys are all gas no breaks of course. great scorers <laughs> no defense not great playmakers some of them at least i love it i love it they're the best ones to watch in college potential stars potential stars they could be bust but they could be all stars oh yes i like it a couple years from now we'll come back to this <laughs> uh for me <laughs> i went almost the exact opposite of you um i like Corey kispert um just kind of a, a steady shooter he's like 22 years old played at gonzaga for a couple of years really solid um not fantastic defensively but he's like six foot seven um like i said he can shoot he's decently well-rounded i know he said he's not a great defender but um he's got the size that uh can help him there uh davion mitchell uh, speaking of size, that is something Davion Mitchell does not have. He's six foot two oh five, so I guess he's he's got some strength, but he is not very tall. But he is a skilled defender. He's a good defender, so maybe he can. I don't know. He can disrupt some things potentially with that. Um, another guy who's twenty two years old. He's experienced. He's got national championship pedigree. Um, I'll be excited to see where he goes. Um, Finally, Chris Duarte, uh, again, another experienced guy who's older. He's 24, 6'6", good shooter, um, can impact a team right away, I think. Um, so, yeah, you got the theme of, of scorers and, and high ceilings, and I kind of took the, uh, the opposite side of the coin um, with guys who kind of have low uh, or high floors and can impact the team right away. Uh, I'll be excited to see where these guys go in the draft because they're certainly not projects and they may not need a ton of time to develop. 
they could come in right away and contribute. So teams like Charlotte or Golden State or, you know, Toronto potentially, not that any of these guys are going to go at number four, but any of those teams who uh, want guys that are going to contribute right away, I think uh, could draft these guys. And I'm going to be excited to see how it unfolds. Yeah, you guys have some great players there. Uh, I'm not going to go super in-depth on mine. Uh, I really like uh, these two shooting guards. I like Moses Moody out of Arkansas and Trey Murphy the third out of Virginia. Uh, with Moses Moody, um, he played he played with Cade in high school, so I kind of saw a glimpse of him uh, NBA talent there when Monteverdi played. But he's he's got the, he's got a nice jump shot, and he did he does really defend on a high level, um, proven in college. Um, if he continues uh, to play like he's like he played in college, I think he, his game really transit uh, could translate into the league. And then to touch in uh, with Trey Murphy the third. Um, he's a, he's already a really good shooter. He's really tall for being a shooting guard. He's six foot nine, and he has the length to be a really good three and deep player. And uh, I'm just curious if these two guys are going to fall or rise in the draft just based on potential of being already being a good established three and D player. Uh, another player I want to touch on is Zaire Williams. Uh, I saw him play in high school with Bronny. He's on Sierra Canyon. Uh, I, heard, I thought he had a lot of hype, and then he had a pretty good season uh, at Stanford. Um, I guess uh, I feel like he could either rise or fall. Like there's rumors of him going to eight, like as high as eight to Orlando, or even in this mock draft I'm looking at, even falling to 23rd to the Rockets. His upside is, eh, it's there, but he could be a decent player in the league, in my opinion. And then just because he's from Minnesota. And he's a big man, and I like I like big men. That's what she said. Uh, I did. <laughs> uh, Jericho I'm not Sims. That out. I'm not editing. <laughs> don't edit that out. Oh, don't edit that out. Jericho Sims, huge dude, good player at Texas. Six uh, ten, can jump out of a gym, man. I saw this video clip of him getting his head over the rim. It was nuts. Um, but yeah, I gotta go love my Minnesota guys, and I just think that he could be a good, decent backup center in the league. Yeah. After you mentioned right. Texas, I got a shout-out, Abilene Christian. Uh, be, you know, Texas, you guys suck. Whatever. I Drew? Build them up, out. break them down. <laughs> Brutal. Nah, Texas, Texas is stupid. They're also withdrawing from the Big 12. It's fucking idiots. Yeah, like those horns-down regulations and rules they put in. Players oh, yeah. can't do that in college anymore. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's wild. Well, perfect, boys. <laughs> Lots of fun on this episode. Good laughs. Uh, we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>